I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome on in. It's Made for March here. Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. And Tim, it is finally our month. This is the month. <laughs> we we didn't know if we would get here, but we are here. We've got a tournament. It's all happening in Indianapolis. But at this point, we will take anything. The only sport, really, that was robbed of naming a champion over the past calendar months. So we're finally, fingers crossed, going to have that NCAA tournament. You saw... Everyone in the college basketball world was tweeting out some sort of thing that is actually March. I don't know if you saw, but the, the calendar did indeed flip. So um, check us out on Twitter, at MadeTheNumber4March. Also, subscribe to the show if you are new to it. Let's just get into it because there were plenty, plenty, plenty of upsets from over the weekend. 15 of the top 19 teams lost over the past week. Wow. And that just kind of shows you... The parity that we're seeing right now in the sport, a lot of the Blue Bloods are starting to pick it up. Teams are starting to become a little more familiar, and it's getting to the point now where anything can happen. But we start with the biggest upset from over the weekend, and that is the Baylor Bears taking down, or rather getting taken down by the Kansas Jayhawks in, in pretty convincing fashion. The Jayhawks were in control of that game, essentially from start to finish, but we're starting to see now the effects of COVID-19 on the season. You can you can say the effects were being seen with the, the pauses and with games being postponed and canceled and all that. No, the biggest effect that we've seen COVID-19 have on this 2020-2021 basketball season in college basketball was the game that we saw with the Baylor Bears. And really, the two-game stretch yeah. now that Baylor is on where they are slow on defense the three-point shooting is clearly rusty. They've looked like a mess coming out of the pause. Yeah, I'm worried for Baylor. It just as a college basketball fan, like, and that's not even as an indictment on Baylor. Like, I think they need to figure stuff out. I'm worried for them because I worry that there is a world where we get into March Madness and Baylor loses early, and that's just a great what if on this season is what if they didn't have that pause? Because you see reports that are coming out from Jeff Goodman saying that eight players have tested positive within the Baylor program. And I think we already could glean that there were some positive tests, given that it was a three week pause for the Bears. But if it is really eight players like the reports are saying, and there's no reason to not believe that those reports are accurate. That's scary, man. I mean, that's a much different pause than what Michigan underwent, where by yeah. all accounts, I mean, they did all not these have different a teams. Yeah. I and mean, there might be, in some of these cases, there might be no players. And I believe that was the case with Michigan because it did not necessarily impact their program. It was just Michigan athletics was shutting everything down. Yeah. So I look at this Baylor team now. If they are going to struggle defensively for, because they do have a game against West Virginia, a, a battle of top six teams. So, so what are we going to do? We're going to play it at four o'clock. Um, but when I look at this game between Baylor and West Virginia, I really don't see a world where you can pick the bears. I mean, they, they've struggled mightily out of this pause, the three point shooting, which was once the best in the country. The last two games are shooting 27% from three. Yeah. And listen, I think the three point shooting is going to return before the defense gets back to, to full strength, but 
I've got some concerns. Now, you got to remember, Baylor is still essentially locked into a one seed. It's going to take some real, real drastic measures for them to drop off that one line. Because remember, this is a body of work thing. I know you can say it's a, it, there is a little bit of merit to the what have you done for me lately. But before the, the going on the pause, this team had not lost a game, or rather not won a game by fewer than eight points. Yeah. Like they were dominant, dominant, dominant. One of the best teams we've ever seen in the sport. Right. And now two games back, and maybe some people that are listening to this have already seen the result of West Virginia. I hope they bounce back against West Virginia. But you hit on it there. The three-point shooting part is concerning because this is a team that is number one in the country in three-point shooting still as of us recording this, despite those struggles lately. And it just shows you how much they've been shooting the lights out of the ball and how much they rely on their three-point shooting. When you watch this team, it's passing, it's ball movement, it's having that touch from three-point range. And that's been a huge factor for teams once they come off a COVID pause, just in general, is losing your three-point touch, let alone a team that had eight players test positive and was off for three weeks. And I think they only got four days of practice before they returned to the court against Iowa State. So they're going through this tough stretch here in the Big 12. They might lose a couple more games. I don't think they'll fall off the one line. I think you're right about that. And maybe they will figure it out. I still think they're going to be a tough out in March for sure. And I still have a lot of faith in them because they've got a good infrastructure there. But I just worry that we'll look back on this season 10, 15 years from now. Or maybe if you didn't know what was going on with the program 10, 15 years from now, you might look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's Baylor. Or a casual college basketball fan might see them lose in March and say, yeah, that that makes sense. They're not an elite program. And why did why was everyone freaking out about them at the start of the year? And the answer is we were freaking out because they were that good, and now maybe it's going to take them a while to get back to being that stage or that good as they were just like right before the pause happened. Now here's the glass half full approach to Baylor: is that there is time, yeah, there's there plenty is. of time. In fact, there's over two and a half weeks to really get into. The, what you were, get back into the, the groove that you had in the early portions of the season. And I don't think this is a group that lacks confidence, that's going to look at these past two games where, I mean, mentally, this team has taken two losses out of the pause. Playing that close to Iowa State in your head feels like a loss. And then, obviously, losing to Kansas is a loss. So, I don't think this team is short of confidence. They've got plenty of veterans on them. I think Scott Drew, this is a different Scott Drew. So... I look at what Baylor can do these next couple of weeks now. This is the time. Get your feet back under you. Get your conditioning right. And really just take care of your health at this point. You're still an elite program. You're still one of the three best teams in college basketball right now. And I still think there is a decently wide gulf between where you, wherever you slot Baylor and wherever you put the number four team in the country right now. Yeah, I would agree with that, totally. And I do want to give some credit to Kansas. Because yeah, I mean, they're playing well, They and they, they exploited are. that game, too. David McCormick was fantastic. He was. He's been really good for them lately, and he's been an X factor for them all season long. And it's honestly pretty remarkable. He's shooting 81% from the foul line on the season. I did not think he was going to be shooting that good throughout the year. So when you combine the fact that he's getting a lot of touches now for them, he's drawing a lot of offensive attention. I know he fouled out in this game, but he was still... Definitely a huge part of why Kansas ended up winning this game. The other thing that's amazing is Baylor only had three turnovers in this game, and they still lost so so badly. 
in this game. Kansas had 14 compared to their three. I wonder, when's the last time that a team had three turnovers and won the turnover battle by 11 and lost the game by 13? I mean, how? when's the last time a, a team has had three turnovers? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is unthinkable. Right. It's amazing. All the rust they showed. Indiana like, high school basketball coaches are, are just, like, that's sure. their wet dream right there, is, is a <laughs> right. team having three turnovers. Yeah. And on the Kansas front, too, I read this. I think it was Matt Norlander who had this stat. They've won 38 straight games on senior night. That is absurd. Jeez. Like, I, I, How does that even happen? That's a heck of a way to, to send out your classes, man. Yeah. I mean, that, that's an absurd stat. Yeah. And one other note on Kansas before maybe we can move on to some of the other uh, games from the weekend here. I was texting with our buddy Jack McMullen about this because he's another one of college basketball diehards. We're always talking about different little things in the game or whatnot. And he was saying, does it bother you? And I want to pose this to you as well. Does it bother you that Christian Brown is pronounced Brown, but the name is so clearly spelled B-R-A-U-N? Like, (laughs) I've never seen a Braun name. Like, it's spelled like Braun, but it's said Brown. And I do want to shout him out because he was lights out in this game again. And he sometimes just gets really hot. I know he didn't make a ton of threes in this game. I actually think he didn't even make a three. Yeah, he, but... went, he went 0 for 3 in the game. Yeah, from 3. Yeah, but, but he made a No, yeah, a it does bother me. Yeah. <laughs> it does bother me. But I, I feel like that's part of the, the, like, Christian Brown should probably be at Duke. And, and I feel like yeah. it, if, it, it's one of those guys where he's he's got the the hateable factor to him and having the last name brown but spelled like brawn adds to that formula yeah that's such a duke thing from like 2005 it's just right he's not on duke but kansas is figuring it out a little bit and i do think that should be noted like baylor ran into a good team in the fog i mean there's a reason why they always went on senior night and there's a reason why they always win in that place they're a great program. I don't think it's that much of a knock on Baylor. They lost this game though. And I just hope that this doesn't become a greater theme of, Oh no, like Baylor is going into the tournament really struggling. I hope they can write the ship here. Now looking at real quickly, the last three games that Baylor has on their schedule, they've got West Virginia. That game's coming up four o'clock today on Thursday, quick turnaround. You're back at home. You have Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state coming off a big Monday win against Oklahoma. By the way, big Monday teams now 11 and 1 at home. That that is a mind-blowing stat to me so far this season. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. And then you close it out at home against Texas Tech on your own senior night. So, the final 3 games are not going to be easy. Oklahoma State looks fantastic right now. They just swept a bedlam series, so they're ro- rolling with a lot of momentum right now. They feel like they can win at home and on the road. Ken Palm has that game as a projected 80-68 to win for Baylor. I don't think Baylor right now can beat Oklahoma State by 12 points. We'll see what that that Vegas line is when it finally comes out. But these final three games are not going to be easy. You don't get the gimmies in there with the Kansas States, the TCUs, the Iowa States. I think it would have kind of helped if they had one more of those games the rest of the way. Yeah, this Big 12, it's in a weird spot, just as sort of a sidebar here. The way that Oklahoma State is now ranked, it's almost like Oklahoma State has vaulted themselves ahead of Texas in Oklahoma in the past week or two. And even Texas Tech, I know they just beat Texas. They had lost three in a row before that because they had a COVID pause of their own and was showing some rust. West Virginia has been very steady, and they've risen to six in the polls. But 
there's a lot of good teams in the Big 12, and I'm going to be very curious to see kind of how it plays out once we get to the postseason here because the way that Texas and Oklahoma have just had this stretch of not really winning against any quality teams for a little bit here is kind of concerning on their front. And, and the, also Oklahoma dropped one to Kansas State, which was very concerning back last Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, just just look at Oklahoma State right now. The, the, they've won eight of their last ten back-to-back wins against Oklahoma. That's super impressive to me to go back-to-back, win a Saturday at their place and then a Monday at your place. That's that's a, a great feat right there. You got a win against Texas Tech in there, a win against Texas in there, and you're the last team that's beaten Arkansas all the way back in that SEC Big yeah, 12 Challenge. Rolling. Arkansas swept through the month of February, but you're the last team that beat Arkansas. That's a really good win. I mean, this is a an Oklahoma State team that once upon a time people thought was going to be ineligible for the tournament. It looks like they are going to be playing in the NCAA tournament, and not just that, they might be a, a three seed at that. Yeah, they might. Uh, it's It's been impressive to see, maybe not quite to a three seed, but they're going to get up there, and Cade has been awesome to watch. We, we've talked a lot about him on this podcast, but he had 40 back on Saturday when they won in overtime. He's just such a joy to watch, and it's it's get like you were putting this the other day, I think, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, how Every Cade game we get, we just have to cherish it at this point because we're getting right because we don't know if it's going to be our last. Yeah, yeah, it it really is. It's something to watch. All right, I want to get to one of the other big games from over the weekend. Sunday on CBS, it was Iowa. It was Ohio State, and boy, has Iowa figured something out defensively here? Because they shut down a very good Ohio State team, held them to fifty-seven points in their own gym. And Iowa, I mean, we've t- talked about it all season long. The big knock on Iowa has been how bad their defense has been. But the last couple of games, I, listen, I think you can take the Michigan game out of the equation because Michigan is just playing on another planet right now. But in their last, what is this now, seven games, they've allowed an opponent to go over 70 points in just the Michigan game. And to me, if this team figures things out defensively, they've risen from outside the top 120 in defensive efficiency to now inside the top 60. This is a team that is in contention for a one seed once again. Yeah, I saw some stats the other day that I think they're playing defensive efficiency-wise in that stretch like a top 20 team in the country over that stretch. And when they're shooting it well, like they have the third best three-point percentage in the country, just right about 40% this year. They had the second-best offense in the country. Luka Garza was great in this game, 24 points. The thing that really stood out to me about this game, Ohio State just does not have the size to handle Luka Garza. And they were overmatched, which is weird to say about a team that has been on the one line or near it pretty much all year. But we've talked about how Ohio State doesn't really have the talent that maybe even some of these other elite teams do this year. And it's a weird year, and... There's not maybe a whole lot of great teams outside. There's a couple great teams, and then there's not a whole lot of one-seed caliber teams from that point on, I'd say, because the way that you laid out, all those teams are losing, whatever it was, 15 of the top 19. 15 of the top 19 suffered a loss over the last week. That's remarkable, even for college basketball standards. And Ohio State's now dropped three in a row, but... You know, it kind of felt like they were just punching above their weight for a little bit, and they don't quite have the talent. And you're right, Iowa is starting to figure it out on defense a little bit. Well, looking at Ohio State, I mean, that's now three straight losses for them. Two of them, acceptable. I mean, I don't think there's any harm or foul in saying you lost to Michigan or Iowa, but it's that Michigan State one that's nestled in there that's sort of puzzling. And this 
Yeah, and I think you, you kind of put it the perfect way. Ohio State was punching above their weight. Again, this is a team that's been battling injuries all season long. And I look at this game against Iowa, and it kind of worries me. Because you bring up the whole big man thing. Luca Garza, you have to be able to get him in foul trouble. Especially now, when Jack Nungy is going to be done for the season. If you can get Luca Garza in foul trouble, pull him out of the game for stretches of five, six minutes... You're going to be in a pretty good spot because I, I, it feels like with Iowa, if you cut out one, if you cut off the head of the snake, they fall apart. They just absolutely crumble. And I'm worried with Ohio State because if they face a team in the tournament that's big, like I'm, if Ohio State gets a two seed, okay? And let's say UNC gets the 10 seed. And I know UNC is coming off a bad loss to Syracuse. But if UNC is the 10 seed, wins their 10-7, and then plays Ohio State in a 10-2 matchup, I think that size of UNC could really cause some problems for an upper echelon team like Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> UNC, we, man, they've been a roller coaster recently. Well, which from- fan base is more panicked right now, UNC or Syracuse? I mean, that was a game of, of two teams that just, they don't know what they are right now. Yeah, I guess I guess it's Syracuse because UNC at least had the Florida State win, but UNC's panicked because they're just wondering why the heck did we schedule Marquette? It was just such a dumb thing. I, I know it's a lot of hindsight, but like we follow Syracuse a lot, and the whole time that Syracuse was in the, in the running to schedule other games... We were saying, yeah, there's no point in scheduling a Wake Forest or a team that's right. not going to do you any good. And that's what Roy went out and did. He scheduled Marquette, which they gained nothing if they win that game at home, but they have everything to lose, and they lost it all. And now it's really could be the tiebreaker or the difference in their resume. I think they'll still get in because they do have that Florida State win. But, man, I don't even think they have more than one quad one win last I looked. And they just have stretches where they look terrible offensively. 20 turnovers in back-to-back games, and you got away with it against Florida State, but for whatever reason, the second half against Syracuse, maybe it was the short turnaround a little bit too of being a road team on Big Monday. It was a tough spot, and Vegas was kind of all over it. The line was a lot closer than I would have envisioned. I think it was minus one it opened at for UNC, and a lot of people were on UNC, but it's just it's a tough team to watch sometimes because they have these awful stretches. Getting back to Iowa and Ohio State here, are you more buying into the Iowa run that they're putting together? Because remember, we were talking about Iowa and how they had such a tough, tough close to the season. We were talking about, okay, you got Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and then they did schedule that Nebraska game in there, and then Wisconsin, and then there was another Wisconsin game. But we were like, okay, this team might lose like three or four games down the stretch. Now it's looking like they might only lose one game down the stretch of yeah. that tough patch and it's to Michigan and I mean I know you got crushed but Michigan is looking like the hottest team in America right now when you look at these two teams in Ohio State and Iowa are you more panicking with what Ohio State's done after dropping 3 in a row or are you more buying into the or the the Iowa hype a team that's now won 5 of the last 6 I'm probably more buying into Iowa I'm kind of doing both though honestly I'm not, I'm not panicking about Ohio State but that was kind of rough to see Ohio State on its home floor lose by 16. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, they were getting crushed in the first half, too. They did make that comeback to, I think, pull it within two, and it felt like they were right back in the game. Like, once Ohio State went on that run, 
to get really close in the second half, I was like, oh, this is where Iowa crumbles. This is where we see why Ohio State is the better team. And it was Ohio State that ended up crumbling after that run. Iowa had the counterpunch. They locked down defensively and hit some timely shots. Right. It's a little weird because you said, and you're right, that two of the three of those losses in a row here for Ohio State are acceptable. The Michigan State one's the one that stings, but also when you lose by 16 at home, it's kind of unacceptable regardless of who you're playing, unless you're playing Gonzaga or Michigan, That's fair. I'd say. Mm-hmm. And they actually hung with Michigan more than they did with Iowa. Also, I want I do think Iowa, I've been an Iowa hater all year, and I never bought into them as a realistic national title contender. Because, and this is not just me, I mean, a lot of people that cover college basketball have been saying that for a while, because when you go look at the stats, if you're not inside the top 100 on defense, forget about it. You're probably not going to make the right. Final Four, and you're probably not going to go far in the NCAA tournament. Now that they're up to 59 in D, I'm not saying I'm just going to... I was going to say, yeah. ...play by the numbers, but man, dude, like, if they're a 50 defense, or if they're a decent defense in March, which I don't know if this is just they've kind of found something here, or if it's these Big Ten teams are struggling. Like, I look at Wisconsin. They've been really bad. I mean, there's... No Boston, team Nebraska. has. Yeah. Can you remember a team that has fallen off the face of the earth as hard as Wisconsin is, while a still somehow clinging into the rankings every single week? They're still the number twenty-five team in the country somehow. Yeah. It's and b garbage. not it's suffering like a major injury. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Finally, Tennessee got the boot, but they have not fallen out of the rankings, and they have not suffered a major injury to their team. I don't get it. I. I don't get the the Wisconsin demise, but anyway, getting back to Iowa, I, I think you're right. Like we we can eat our Iowa words because we were haters in the beginning of the season, and even I would say as recently as like a week ago. But what we said was still right in the fact that this team was not good defensively, and if they weren't good defensively, they weren't going anywhere. Yeah. But now that they've found a, I mean, like you mentioned, over the past five or six games, they're looking like a top 20, top 25 defense. If they're a top 20, top 25 defense the rest of the way, this is a team that totally can beat anyone in the country, including Gonzaga. I do think Illinois is better than them when they have Io, for sure, and Honestly, the way that the top four rankings are right now, it's the, it's the four best teams in the country. And I say that, yes. it sounds Assuming so obvious. Assuming I.O. is, is right. healthy, yes. It sounds obvious, like, oh, of course, the top four rankings would be the top four. But, I mean, maybe this is a little bit of hindsight bias, but I never really was like, yeah, Ohio State's definitely the fourth best team in the country. They Their I'm resume yeah. was... But I never bought into them as like... And I think we even had this conversation too where yeah. we were talking about, okay, look at, take Michigan out of the equation, look at teams two, three, four, and five in the, the Big Ten, who's most likely to fall out? And we always said it was Ohio State. Yeah. Because it felt like, like you kind of mentioned, they were kind of getting the right bounces, everything was kind of falling their way because the way that their point guard and injury luck had, had played out, they should not have been there. They were overachieving, and now it's all the luck part of it is starting to catch up and and get them the other way now. Yeah, and I was too late to the Michigan train, so I'm not going to act like I was on Michigan all year long because I was kind of thinking they were a little bit like Ohio State and the fact that they weren't quite as talented as Gonzaga or Baylor, but the way that they've come back from the pause has proved me wrong in that regard. I'm just saying when I look at the top four now, 
that's who I think should be the one seeds. That's who I think represents right. this season as the best four teams in terms of chances of winning it all, players they have on their roster, combined with resume, combined with everything. Like for a little bit, Houston was in the top four. For a little bit, there was like Texas was up there for a, a hot sec. Maybe. Yeah, they danced around. They, they Maui bumped their way through. We yeah, exactly. We, like, we, we saw through that. We've settled in a good spot here. I think Iowa is definitely the fifth team. I think how the polls are this week, the top five teams, I have a lot of problems with them. Yeah, Yeah. with the back half. And it is probably just a little bit of all these teams are losing because I look at Oklahoma loses to Kansas State, then they lose to Oklahoma State on their home floor, and they only drop to 16. And I'm thinking, is that right? Like, Or Virginia Tech loses by a big amount, I think 16 to Georgia Tech at home, and they're still ranked, and I'm thinking, how could that be? But I think it's just all these teams are losing that it makes it look, like, worse than it is. Like, how is this team still ranked? But that's just the nature of the season, I guess. Yeah, I would say the one qualm I have with the rankings right now is the punishment that we saw handed out to Alabama for losing to Arkansas. That's that's the only real they qualm I have. They dropped to eight from six. I think that's fine. I mean, they only dropped two spots. Yeah, I just, I feel like they are closer to a one seed than a three seed. Yeah, I don't think I like Alabama quite as much as you, but, I mean, they won, they won the SEC already. They've had a great resume. I I still would put Iowa ahead of them. And then I think I there's too, another yeah. tier, honestly, after that, because West Virginia at six. West Virginia's playing very well right now. Nice quality team, but I'm not picking them to win my March Madness. I can tell you that right now. I'm probably picking Gonzaga or Baylor. Well, probably picking Gonzaga now, honestly, depending on how Baylor looks. But God, then, doesn't this suck? We because it felt like Gonzaga was going to be the sleeper heading yeah. in. Yeah, if if kind of had that vibe to it, like okay, they were going to be the ones that everyone was going to sleep on because they played in the WCC and Baylor was going to be the one that was the hot, trendy team. Like, oh, they played the Power 5 schedule. They beat a bunch of really good teams throughout the year. And then we it felt like, okay, once Gonzaga got back into the swing of things, that then people would be like, wait, why didn't we pick that team? Now everyone's going to be back on Gonzaga. And I'm almost feeling like, not no pun intended, but should we zag here? Should we zag and take, <laughs> while everyone else is zigging, and take Baylor? Maybe. Maybe this is the time to take Baylor. I know a lot of people have already maybe seen this West Virginia game. Maybe we wait until that because I feel like they're going to lose to West Virginia and maybe this is old takes exposed now. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe there is some value in, in going in on Baylor the way that they've dropped a lot this week because they're still a great team and I still think they could win. No doubt. Obviously, I mean, that's not groundbreaking right. news or anything. But yeah, I, I think where we're at right now, I hope the four one seeds stay with what the AP poll has right now. But maybe Iowa catches Illinois the way that Iowa is out and the way that Iowa is playing lately. Worth noting, too, Michigan now all the way up to number two in the polls. So the Wolverines, they're, and they even picked up four first-place votes as well. So we've got four Gonzaga haters in the AP poll voting. But I look at Michigan right now. I, I think they're starting to really creep in on, on what Gonzaga is doing right now because Pretty much any time there's been some major question for Michigan, they've been able to to go out and, and do something spectacular. I mean, we talk about there's just been the one hiccup against Minnesota, but every time they get put into question, they go out and pick up a big win. 
Yeah, I actually thought it was kind of a trap game for this for them this weekend uh, against Indiana, who, by the way, I think is basically out of the tournament field based on most bracketologies now because they lost this game to Michigan. But the way that Michigan just crushed him, they were on one day rest and Indiana really needed to win. It just kind of felt like maybe this was the time for Indiana to get it and get almost like what UNC did to Florida State. I, I could have seen it, but it's just amazing that Michigan bulls right over another team. Okay, keeping it in the Big Ten here, I do want to talk about Illinois because they've now played two straight games without Io DeSumo. It feels like the player of the year race is pretty much wrapped up because of this injury. Luca probably going to win it. Again, he was already the front runner, but this pretty much seals it, especially now that Jared Butler can't creep back into the conversation off of the pause. But I'm looking at what Illinois looks like without Io DeSumo. And we've seen two wins, and I honestly, I'm kind of impressed, too. Like, we can crap on Wisconsin all we want, and we can crap on Nebraska, too. But for this Illinois team to go up to Wisconsin, win without their superstar, and I know they still have Kofi, but to go up there and win without their star player, their potential player of the year, I was very impressed yeah. that Illinois was able to respond in that manner. No doubt. I, I think they've looked good overall in these two games. And it, by the way, did you see Demetri Trice? I think it was the final two yeah, and a half 19 minutes. points in the final two and a half. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I mean, he <laughs> that's put absurd. on a clinic shooting the basketball. Yeah, he finished with, I think, 29 points in the game. But yeah, Wisconsin has a lot of problems. I I really struggle to, to watch them. Reavers has been bad for them lately, and they just need to get more from him. And they never have had a ton of eye-popping talent, but still, it's tough to watch them at times. Illinois is a team that now it becomes, okay, let's let's wait for Iowa to come back and then kind of evaluate from there. Maybe they'll drop off the one line, which is a bummer because we've laid out how going from the one to the two seed as a Big Ten team can really hurt you. It maybe won't hurt you as much now the way that Baylor is playing or how much that trend continues, but... I think Illinois will be fine in the end. And if you're Illinois, keep Iowa out as long as you need to. Like, make sure he's just healthy and ready to go for the NCAA tournament. That's really all that Yeah, because at the end of the day, okay, so Illinois' final two games, they play Michigan tonight, and then they play Ohio State on Saturday. These final two games are not going to determine your seeding. Your seeding is going to be determined in the NCAA tournament, or in the, the Big Ten tournament, rather. And I think you can say that about pretty much any of these teams, except for Michigan, who are fighting for a one seed. Michigan, I think, is pretty firmly in as getting the one seed. And then outside of that, when you look at the crop of Iowa, Ohio State, Illinois, those te- your seeding is going to be determined by what you do in the Big Ten tournament, not necessarily how you close out in the final two games, three games, however many you have left on your schedule. Yeah. The Big Ten tournament's going to be a lot of fun, for sure. It's a lot of good teams that, I don't know, I, I feel like anyone can win that tournament. Michigan is definitely the favorite at this point, and I probably would just like to see Michigan win so they sort of verify what they've done all regular season and keep it going. But that that's going to be a fun tournament for sure. Also, kind of before we get out of here, did you see the NIT is in Dallas now? Full steams. Yeah, yeah. full steams ahead. It, I. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun. Right. That's all I'm going to say. What does that mean, though? I haven't read up on this. Maybe you have. What does that mean for those teams that 
Because I thought the plan was maybe to move it to Indianapolis and have them as sort of contingency teams. You know, I'm not sure. I really don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. But uh, you want to get to a couple one and dones quickly here. One and done, my guys. Obviously, we have one in our conference. It has a doctorate degree in one and dones, right? <laughs> a couple of things that I saw. Uh, first of all, congrats to Roy Williams. Even though uh, he did lose to Syracuse, he did pick up win number nine hundred. Um, you know what? You know what's funny to me is that, and especially in that game too. Walker Kessler looked exactly like what we saw and what we were seeing with Hunter Dickinson. Like, Walker Kessler is supposed to be doing what Hunter Dickinson is doing. And we finally saw it in that Florida State game. Yeah. he's. I guess he's battled some COVID stuff. I don't think he ever had it, but uh, he's... Right, he's, he's bouncing in and out of the tracing, yeah. Yeah, it's just the numbers game of UNC. There's so many bigs there, and Roy's only going to play you X amount of minutes, and he's going to do line shifts like it's hockey. It's probably tough for him to really be making a huge impact. Like, he really didn't do a whole lot against Syracuse on Monday night after that big performance, but it was a good move by Roy to start him in that second half, and UNC is going to be maybe the hardest team to pick if they make March Madness of any team at this point because everyone's going to want to pick them, and I get why. Everyone's going to pick them as a 10 seed to go to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8, and Part of me is going to want to do it too, but also you watch him sometimes and it's like, why would I ever bet on a team that has no jump shooters and turns the ball over and shoots themselves in the foot as much as they do? No doubt. All right, do you, what do you have? Uh, let's talk about Villanova. <laughs> um, oh boy. Lose to let's... Butler. Bad, bad loss. Butler won 10 in Kempom. And now they've lost two games in Big East play that have just been bad on the road. St. John's, an 11-point loss. Butler, a 12-point loss. Two non-tournament teams. At least in this one, you can point to Hinkle Magic. Yes, The St. John's one, I don't know what you're (laughs) going to point to. Like, I I don't know. But but the St. John, or the the Butler one, okay. Play the the Hinkle Magic card. But just remember, you might have to play at Hinkle again. And there might be the house of of whores for you. Right. I just feel like... Villanova in a year where we've joked about who's the third best team. Now it's maybe who's the fourth best team. Who's the fifth best team would be more of the conversation. It's been a year where a lot of teams are losing that are top 10 teams. And like we laid out, there's probably a drop off after you get past Illinois. Now, actually, there's there's a drop off after Baylor still to me, like you said, and then Illinois and Iowa, and then probably another drop off. Villanova, it was there for the taking for them to be the third best team all year. They're in a bad conference. I know they had that long COVID pause. I know that probably affected them, but so did everyone else for the most part. But they've had time to iron it out now. Yeah, now we're well past that. And, I mean, we're talking about a team that I think I had preseason number one up until the fact that Nebhard was announced that he was able to play at Gonzaga. Then I flipped Gonzaga to one. But they were, ever, going into the year, was Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, top three, in some form, for everyone. And Gonzaga and Baylor checks out, for the most part. And Villanova has the talent. Like, they should be in that conversation. And they're in a bad league, and their defense is 77 on Ken Palm, and they've just really struggled, uncharacteristically struggled for their standards on that end. Yeah, no doubt. I've got another seasoned assist. You want to hand out another seasoned assist to our guy, John Rothstein? Absolutely. What do you do now? Cade Cunningham, made for March. What, what, what really? is that? Huh? You yeah. You didn't have a uh, cheesy nickname again, for Cade yet? 
No, I mean, it was more of like a, a fuller tweet where he was going uh, into why Cade Cunningham is so great. And then he, but the, the lead to the tweet is Cade Cunningham is made for March. And it's just like, what's going on, John? Like, John, you, you can come on the pod as retribution for what you're doing here right. i mean the, the this is we won't file any lawsuits or anything like that you just gotta you just gotta come on the show talk about some of your sayings and stuff like that with us but Cade cunningham made for march seasoned assist he was awesome in that oklahoma state game just i know we already Games. talked about him but yeah <laughs> i mean he struggled in the on the big monday one but he made some big plays late Right. I guess you got to clarify which game because they played back to back. Yeah. Games the, in three was days. it the 40 spot or was it the one where he was clutched on the stretch? Right. He's been clutched on the stretch in a lot of games this year, too, which has been fun to watch. Other thing I forgot to bring up on Villanova, they were two for 27 from three against Butler. That's going to be the worst they've ever shot the ball. Right. In Jay Wright era. And yeah. Jay really, Wright yeah. doesn't know what. Yeah. He doesn't know what he, he was watching out there. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what else do you have? That's kind of all I got. I mean, I think we could talk a little bit about some bubble teams that, like Michigan State losing to Maryland, kind of set them back. I I don't know where that. Puts Can I them. dispel a couple a couple Maryland things right now? Yeah. Because everyone everyone's riding the the Terp train right now, and I, I I'm still a little a little skeptical of this Maryland team because they're getting hot right now. Can I read off to you their latest wins? Please. Let me re- they they've won five in a row now. Okay, their last five wins: Minnesota, Nebraska twice. Remember they played them back to back, and both of those games were at home. By the way, Rutgers and Michigan State. Do you see a win that really pops off the page there? To no. you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the way I feel. And, and I know people are sliding them in as like a, a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. This is still a team that is five hundred in the Big Ten. And I'm not quite there. They they started out the season one and five in conference play, and it's because they played the good teams. I mean, they played Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Illinois. I know they ended up beating Illinois, but they played the good teams and did not win the end of their schedule. And guess what? They're probably going to pick up two more wins the rest of the way because they play Northwestern and Penn State to close out the season, and they're going to look like the hottest team in the Big Ten, when in reality... I think they're going to get smoked probably in in one of their first Big Ten t- tournament games. Yeah, I'm with you there. They're probably a little bit of frauds at this point based on those quality of wins. I do want to say a couple like mid-major bubble teams. Richmond took a bad loss to St. Joe's last night, which was a Q3 loss. Drake took a Q3 loss to Bradley, which is making it tough to kind of... The Valley a- needs... I, we might see the fix be in for the Valley. In, in yeah the, in the in the, the tournament two bit there. valley it's it, the the chances of it are definitely going down i mean i don't even know where drake is well, now listen, on the net but they're 56 loyola loyola is in loyola oh, would yeah, have to in. really yep. screw up so if drake beats them in the the valley champion or if anyone beats beats loyola in the valley championship the valley will be a two-bit league yeah and then another one, Boise State lost back-to-back to San Diego State. We have not talked about San Diego State hardly Yeah, at all. how about the Dutch, man, huh? Yeah, I mean, they're cruising, man. They haven't lost a game since January 16th. It's not a great conference, but they were a huge storyline last year. People kind of got lukewarm on them this year because they had some injury issues at the start and didn't play great. But don't forget, like, they went on the road. They beat Arizona State, who, gosh, Arizona State 
maybe the most underwhelming team of the year. They'll be I, in the first four, though. We'll see them there. <laughs> yeah. They, they might just show up to Dayton this year. Like, right. Just show up. They'll, they'll not get the memo that the, the tournaments in Indian just show up to Dayton. I go just, through these mock know, drafts scrimmage. a lot. And, I mean, Arizona State's got two clear-cut. Like, maybe uh, the Bagley brother. I think it's Marcus Bagley. Marcus I, Bagley, yeah. Yeah, maybe he's going early second in some and then, but Josh Christopher is like a borderline lottery guy. And it's right. like, how, how are these guys improving yeah. their draft They've stock? been hurt. Yeah, yeah they, they they've been hurt a lot. So I think that's that's why Arizona State struggled so much. But no, you're right. The fact that they've improved their draft stock is is kind of strange to me. It's like the, the Louisville effect, how the, their net kept rising, even though th- right. they weren't playing any games for, for weeks. Um, I've got two more quick ones for you here. We've got another instance of a player leaving a program and the program thriving. Nebraska lost its top scorer in Teddy Allen. And how do they respond? They go out and they whack Rutgers 72-51 to on Monday. 72-51, to Nebraska out of nowhere after losing their... I mean, Ewing theory all over the place. We have to start <laughs> updating the, the Kobe King candidates here. Between Audis Tony, Xavier Johnson, Jalen Johnson, and Teddy Allen... Teddy Allen, I think, just popped both the pick guys. Uh, Jalen Johnson is still the number one Kobe King candidate, but Teddy Allen nipping at his heels right now for for the top guy who's leaving a program, and, and they're getting better as a result of it. All right, before we go, this is a, a abbreviated blue blood panic meter, I guess. Let's just okay. I'll say the team name. You tell me if they're in the tournament, and then I'll give my quick yes or no answer. Okay, Duke. Does getting in because they're in the the first four out count? <laughs> no, like they were good enough to make it and get their name. Called. Greg Gumble saying their name. Yeah. Okay. Out. Wow. Okay. UNC. I'm gonna say Duke is. I'll say they're out because I think UNC is gonna beat Duke on Saturday, and that's gonna determine a lot of it. So I'll yeah. say UNC is in. UNC is in. Yes, I agree. Michigan State. Sparty is they play Michigan twice to close out the year. I don't think they're gonna beat Michigan, so no. Yeah, I'm I'm out on them too. But probably. if they beat Michigan, then they're in. Yeah. Indiana? Oh boy. I mean they're they're pulling the, the Wisconsin right now, except yeah. on a much they're not with they don't have the spotlight on them as much. I'm gonna say Indiana is in, but just barely. Okay. I'll They're say not going to keep Indiana, Indiana out in their own tournament, right? Like they can't keep them out of. That's true. <laughs> like yeah. the Hoosier effect is gonna. The Hoosier card will be played. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I think Indiana's in, but they got their work cut out for them now. They, they got to find a, a good one here coming down the stretch. Just play Iowa. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what they're two. Schedule big, Iowa. <laughs> two quad one wins this year, I think, is Iowa. Yeah. That that's all the teams I got. I mean, we could keep going with with lower scale teams, but like Georgia Tech, are they in? Uh, Georgia Tech is. You know, I think Georgia Tech is going to get in. Yeah, yeah. They got. I don't know Duke if Pastner's eleven buddies that are in the ACC are also going to be getting in. Like he thinks eleven <laughs> right. ACC teams are getting in, but um, no, I, I I think that uh, I think Georgia Tech is in. They've they've played some solid ball this year. Yeah, I know you already. Uh, instituted a postseason ban on them but louisville are they in i banned them no they're okay. out yeah i think they'll make it i'm banning but... 
I, I understand Will they make why it? Probably, but I'm banning them. Yeah. I'm banning them from the tournament. All right, yeah. my last uh, one and done here I have. I'm going to the women's basketball. I don't even know if this is D3 or NAIA Juco ball, but we are going to the Hope College women's basketball coach, Brian Morehouse. All right, this is a fantastic move. One that I don't think I've ever seen implemented, but I have to tip my hat to it. He took a technical foul on senior day because he started all nine of his seniors. And he goes on Twitter after and says, best tech I've ever taken in my life. And to that, I say, Coach Morehouse, you, my friend, are like, that's one of the best things I've seen in sports to, to take the tech, start all nine. I don't know. Maybe he might be trying to to moonlight as a baseball manager as well, but he started (laughs) all nine of his seniors. So hats off to you, Coach Morehouse and the Hope College women's basketball team. That's cool. I didn't see that one, but that's that's a well-deserved hat tip there. And honestly, kind of a bummer for the seniors this year. So at least they got sort of a cool moment to end their year. No doubt. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Made for March podcast. We'll be back later on in the week. We've got two top 10 matchups tonight, so be sure to be consuming all your college basketball. We'll break it all down for you later on in the week and give you your weekend preview as well with some winners. I'll give you a hint. Tim and I did a very, very good job last week, and we'll get you some more winners for this upcoming week as well. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. The game was over.